You're listening to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm Erica. And I'm Kelsey. We're two former next door neighbors and good friends who love a good chat and a good laugh. We're inviting you to come on in, have a drink, and stay a while. Hey, friend. Hey, friend. Today's episode is our fall reading roundup. We love talking about books and reading, so we dedicate one episode quarterly to all things bookish. So today we're going to talk about fall book recommendations, books that changed our life, what we're reading lately, and as usual, a memorable reading moment. But before we dig in, I wanted to share something that's happening around our house that is very fallish. This morning we were doing homeschool and I put on the, have I talked about these before? These ambiance videos on YouTube? Oh no. So there's like, you can find like 12 hour long videos where it's just like a cozy scene that has like a little bit of animation in it, like maybe falling leaves, but it's mostly like photographic. Yes, I know what you're talking about. And then it's got like jazz music Mm -hmm. or whatever playing in the background. So that is so lovely to put on the TV in the homeschool room. There's a little bit of ambiance. There's a little Mm -hmm. bit of you know, music to listen to, but it's not distracting. And we are loving that. So that sounds so cozy. Julia's like, can you put on the cozy TV? Yes. <laughs> like, yes, yes, I can. All right. I'm going to put some of that on. Yeah. Fall is one of our favorite reading seasons for all the cozy, atmospheric, and maybe just a touch spooky books. So let's start by each giving, we're going to go back and forth and share our top five fall books that we recommend. Ooh, big question. Yeah. I put a lot of thought into this. I can't All wait right. to hear what you say. All right. My first one is the novel Her Fearful Symmetry. Ooh, Have you read yes. that? Okay. I think I did read that I've upon read your it, recommendation. I've read it years ago. I am probably due for a reread. So this is a ghost story about twin sisters who go to spend a summer in London in their late aunt's apartment. Ooh, and yes, their late aunt was also one. their mother's twin. Yes. So the story is about two yes. sets of twin sisters. The apartment is next to Highgate Cemetery, so there's that spooky mm-hmm. element, and it becomes apparent that while their aunt died, she never really left. Mm-hmm. So it's eerie. It's really unique. Yeah. I just find myself still thinking of it from time to time, just in terms yeah. of like the plot elements and things, yes. and it just it leaves you thinking, and there's some good twists, and just perfect for this time of yes, year. Yes, I forgot about that one. My first one is Babel. That I've already recommended oh, that I just the, love, I'm on the love, waiting love. list. But I'm it would be great list. this time of year. Really, anytime fall into winter, it's got cozy, historical Oxford setting. It's got dark academia vibes. It has like touches of magic mm. and kind of cerebral. I feel like I like books like that in like something profound and a little heavier and meatier in the fall. So that is... My number one recommendation. I cannot wait I will to get sing that. that one from the rooftops. I hope it. I hope it comes to me this fall. I hope the timing works out. My next one is Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three by Stephen King. Ooh, fallish. Yeah. Have you read this? I didn't this? know that. No, but that's on my list. I would say it is fallish because of the suspensefulness and eeriness. Okay. It just kind of puts you in that mood. Uh-huh. So the premise is this: What if you could go back in time before Kennedy was shot? Would you change what happened? How could you do it? And what would happen if Uh you did? So for anyone who worries that Stephen King is too scary to read, I can attest that you can give this a try. Mm -hmm. I think it's the only Stephen King book I've ever read, and Mm -hmm. I could handle it. It's just, like I said, suspenseful and eerie in just such a masterful way. Like just these little details like, ooh, that's putting me on edge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And anyway, just really fascinating take on such a significant event in history. So there's like history woven in with kind of like a little bit of sci-fi element. 
So that's really interesting because I halfway thought about making this September a Stephen King September because I do know he's got such a great variety and even and and even a big range in terms of how scary Mm -hmm. certain stories are. But I did read his fairy tale, his newest one, and I loved it. That would be a great fall book, too. I didn't put it on my list, but. But all his books are so many of them are so long that right. I was like, I'd only get through like one in <laughs> September. So maybe I just need to not make it a September thing and just, you know, dive I would into say for this book, too, it is one of those where you just cannot wait to see what happens Ooh. next. And a lot happens. So you might end up turner. reading it faster than you yes. expect to. I do, I do think he's such a good storyteller that mm-hmm. his books go faster than than you realize they're going yeah. to. Um, my second one besides fairy tale, but go ahead and grab that one, too, which is not too scary is Anatomy, A Love Story by Dana Schwartz. And this is actually the story of a woman scientist uh, in the 1870s in Edinburgh. So it's Mm. like dark and gloomy. She is using a resurrection man who's bringing her corpses, like grave digger, you know, to learn how to be a doctor. Uh Because she, so there's this like historical scientific element but there's something kind of spooky happening and then there's all these dark alleyways and they're sneaking Mm. these bodies into her laboratory to like so she can you know work on cadavers and learn and then they uncover this other big like mystery that's happening in the city so it's really good oh i've never even heard of that that sounds great my next one is the inspector gamache series by louise penny these books are so dear to my heart these books were my gateway into the mystery genre. Mm-hmm. I previously, I had thought that I was too much of a weenie to handle <laughs> it. And so these, I think these kind of showed me like, no, actually I am really here for the mystery, for the characters, for the plot twist, and just opened up this whole genre of mm-hmm. books for me. So I really appreciate them for that. I know many people will have already heard of these, but if you haven't, I think you should give them a try. Or if you think like me that the mystery genre is not for you, it could this could be a good place yeah. to start. What is what I've loved about these books is how rich the characters and the setting are, how they become more and more familiar the further you go mm-hmm. in the series. It just feels like picking back up with friends that oh, you know really well, that. the way that she writes them. And the author just does such a great job with the pacing and how the clues and solution solutions are revealed. So for many years, I would read a few of these in the fall Mm -hmm. and then kind of put them back down and then kind of first feel a fall, be Mm -hmm. like, ooh, it's time to pick those back up again again. and read a few more. Um, My third one, which I've talked about before too, but it is my favorite book of all time. I think, I think I need to do a reread to confirm that, but it was just, it hit me at the right time when I read it. And that is The Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern. And it is so hard to explain, but I mean, the title in and of itself kind of tells you there's like an eerie vibe. There's magical realism. It's not fantasy, but there's like just it makes you think it makes you there's a lot of like symbolism feelings. I don't know. I just loved it so much. Um, Just go read it. Yes, (laughs) that's all I I have to say. I can concur. I have read it. I also love it. And it does just it's like it's very very unique. It's very unique. That's exactly what Mm -hmm. I was going to say. And so it's a very just unique reading experience. Mm -hmm. My next book is a collection of essays, a memoir. It's I Miss You When I Blink by Mm. Mary Laura Philpott. Have you read this? Mm -hmm. Okay, I think you would really love it. This is a collection of her personal essays. They touch on motherhood, pursuing a passion and finding your voice as she finds her Mm -hmm. voice as a writer Mm -hmm. or is just kind of grappling with like pursuing Mm -hmm. her creativity and grappling with middle age. So perfect for our our age group. It is funny and relatable 
profound, like deep and mm-hmm. honest. It just, it leaves you wanting to be her best friend. Oh, I love know? that. And the author also reads the audiobook. She has a delightful Southern accent. So I would highly recommend okay. listening to it. And All so right. I just feel like just an enjoyable companion. If yeah. you're just looking yeah. for that in a book this fall, I this would be that. a great speed. Love that. My next one is Magic Lessons by Alice Hoffman, which is the prequel to Practical Magic. Okay, I have not read either of these. I have not read Practical Magic either. I had seen the movie, but it's just, it's delightfully witchy. And this one goes back and forth between like Salem days of witch trials and modern times and like the ancestry, this like family of witches that have these powers. But it's just... I don't even know how to explain. If you've seen Practical Magic, it's that same, like there's coziness to mm-hmm. it. There's like a lot of relationship stuff and I just really, really loved it. So mm, recommend I, that. I one. might put that at the top of my list for this fall. My last one is This Tender Land by William Kent mm-hmm. Kruger. And I just feel like if you are looking for just a beautifully written kind of sweeping yeah. coming of age story to just totally absorb you yes, this fall like, like get if that if that's what you're bit. looking for oh this is so good it is also uh, there are both critiques of our history but mm-hmm. also a love letter to our country mm-hmm. all in mm-hmm. the same way so this is i would say a tender-hearted coming of age story it's said in 1932 about four orphans who escape from a native american boarding school mm-hmm. where children at this at this time had been forcibly removed from their parents which is an actual thing that mm-hmm. happened and so just to you know just experience raise awareness fiction, yeah mm-hmm, exactly anyway but like i said it is just a, a beautiful story you are there rooting for the characters it just elicits all it's like an emotional journey mm-hmm. in the best way mm-hmm. i love that one too okay my next one is creepy Okay, I'm ready. But it was, it like sold me. I don't know, something about reading the synopsis sold me. And I was like, okay, I think I can do this. I'm only listening to it in the daytime. Okay. But it is The Whisper Man by Alex North. And it is as creepy as it sounds. It's like a creepy thriller bordering on horror. There is like a small element of supernaturalism. There's some murder. But it's like, I I wouldn't say it's a mystery. It's really more thriller horror. And there's like creepy happenings in a house oh creepy happenings to a little boy like like he's seeing things and this sounds like chris would definitely love it yeah and then i'm not jury i don't know it's been a while since i read it jury's out on i do have like i have such distinct memories though of like not being able to like going to pick up the girls from school so this was a few years ago and listening to it in my car while I was waiting for them to come out in car line and like being mad that they that I saw them coming out because I wanted to keep listening oh but it was gosh. like really spooky for them so Ooh. yeah so that it, it it has stuck with me enough that I think I would like maybe look at something else along that yeah along those lines okay. I'm realizing I have a higher much higher tolerance for creepiness in yeah. books than I do in like movies or TV. Gotcha. Okay. So. That makes sense. Maybe, I don't know. You're like really selling it. Now I want to try yeah. it. I'm going to, yeah. am I going to be up all night and scared? I don't know. I'll give let it you, a I'll let I you mean, know. it gets creepy right from the, for, from the get go. Okay, so, so I could give it a try and, and yeah, if do you're a like a chapter in and you're like, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So we have both definitely read books that we feel changed our life in some way. That is not dramatic. That is true facts if you love books, right? We talked more about specifically self-help books in the episode Self-Help Books and Eye Candy, which we'll link to in the show notes. So if you're looking for self-help type books, ones that are kind of meant to change your life, Mm -hmm. go check that out. But 
even otherwise, whether it was moving fiction or just amazing nonfiction, let's each share three books that changed our life significantly. Okay. And now uh, uh, referencing that past episode title, I want to go back and re-listen. What was the eye candy about? I know. <laughs> I, like those two things don't seem to go together. No, well, who I, are we I, talking about? I can't wait to find out. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Choosing three was so hard. So yeah. just know, I think both of us could swap out these three with a handful of others. Totally. I just went with my gut. Totally. All right. So here's First things that came that's to right. mind. Yeah. First one, the Harry Potter series. Oh yeah. So this book series has touched my life really from childhood because I started reading in mm-hmm. high school through today and has yeah. brought yeah. so much magic, like so literal true. magic. Like I said, I started reading these in high school. I remember I had read the first three books when the fourth one was going to come out. Mm-hmm. So I remember getting the fourth book for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so then since then, I have been tracking, you know, anticipating the next mm-hmm. book release. For the fifth and sixth book releases, I went to midnight release parties okay. at Book People, uh-huh. which were just oh, so fun. a parking lot of Harry Potter fans packed in there. They amazing. were, if, uh, if one of the movies had been out, they were showing on a big inflatable screen at midnight. You would line up to get your book That's and a amazing. Harry Potter lookalike would hand you your book. <laughs> that is so amazing. It was so magical. I heard about the ones at Barnes and Noble, but I'm sure book people was just uh, all the more magical. They did it all awesome. up. And then just these memories of then the next day, they would always come out at Harry Potter's birthday yeah. at the end of July. And so then I would go the next day with a friend to Barton Springs, the big natural pool yeah, in Austin, yeah. sit on the hillside and just devour Ugh. these books. So I have those memories. I remember getting the seventh book delivered to me at grad school, like day Uh, of, and that just being such a joyful, like, you know, I'm far away from home. I'm in the middle of this grad program and just getting to reconnect with Harry Potter. And then as the movies were coming out, I had other friends who were fans. So we would always go see the movies right when they come out. Anyway, all of that. I got Chris on the Harry Potter train and it has been something we have loved sharing with our boys. I look forward to sharing it with Maeve. Mm -hmm. So all the things, all the magic. Yeah, It's really one of those like lifelong series that just brings a lot of joy. Yes. And I think I just feel so thankful that I got to experience them as they were coming out and have those experiences. So yeah, yeah. for sure. I second that. Um, Okay. Traveling Mercies by Anne Lamott Mm -hmm. is my first one. And this is just, first of all, Anne Lamott's writing is so like everything I would hope to be as a creator, like just so poignant, but so hilarious, so real and like raw, but has the most profound insights in it. And I just, it's very accessible, Mm -hmm. but it's just, I don't know. I love it so much. And that book specifically is like some thoughts on faith, basically. And just... I just feel like it's one of the first things I read where I like audibly exhaled, like somebody was saying what I was feeling about Mm. faith and about how there's got to be a different way to do this Mm -hmm. and like opening up the, I guess, opening up the hands that I had clenched kind of tightly Mm. and been taught to clench tightly, if that makes sense, around my faith and ideas and just like permission for that. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like it was the first example of somebody doing it a way that felt more genuine to me. Mm. And so that just really changed a lot about, I mean, you can hear more about that in our faith episode for sure. And I did mention that book in that episode, but just beautifully written, hilarious, just a collection of essays of how she came to and found and lost her faith and Mm. and what that looks like for her now and just really, really good. So Mm. that is one for sure. 
My next one, it's actually two books, but they're just in the similar vein. It's The Creative Habit and Big Magic. Mm. These are two nonfiction books about creativity that, that just had a profound impact on me. Each in their own way gave me permission to see myself as a creative person and were the first things that I encountered that showed me that creativity is a skill that you nurture and mm-hmm. so accessible and available to everyone. Mm-hmm. Not that you either are or aren't, yeah, are yeah. or aren't born with it. It's not an on-off on switch. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I would say that has been just so important in leading me to the work that I do now, which mm-hmm. just feels like so fulfilling mm-hmm. in this way that I feel like I am doing the work that I am meant to do mm-hmm. or that just love to do. And so I'm so thankful that I encountered both mm-hmm. of those. I love that. Okay. My next one is the hunger game series. Oh, love that. And I do love the series, but I feel like what it was that is so life changing about it is not anything, any content specifically in the books, but the way I devoured them in a way I truly had not since like Harry Potter. Yeah, And so and I do specifically remember I had gotten my first Kindle for Christmas mm-hmm. when that was like that book was all the rage, the first one. And I remember sitting and ignoring my in-laws, everything, just devouring. And it oh. was like the first series that kind of reignited yeah. that kind of reading for me that yeah. I had missed since like childhood. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you go through a period of um, college where you're doing a lot of right. reading that's yes. not fun necessarily yes. and you kind of get away from it and and as an adult you just haven't found your your way yeah mm-hmm. and so it just really um reignited that and I would credit that with my love of reading as an adult oh, so I love that my last one is the memoir the glass castle by Jeanette oh, Walls man. yes And this is an important book for a few reasons to me. First, it was one of the very first books that I read with our in-person book club. And our book club and the friendships in it are so dearly important to Mm -hmm. me. And so it just kind of marks the beginning of that. So that's kind of cool. I think it also might be one of the first books I remember reading that was someone telling their real and personal story that I also found so engaging, Mm -hmm. like that was as engaging as fiction and showed me that it can also be this way. I wouldn't say that I read that book and then, and then thought, Oh, I can write about or podcast about my life. And this was way before I had a podcast. And so I wouldn't say it had that direct connection, but I, I certainly think maybe having read that and then finding other books like that gave me the permission or just let me know like, oh, this is something people do. Yeah. Or that you can do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing, the author does such an amazing job of describing some very difficult circumstances about her life and yet does so without any bitterness. Yeah. Yeah. And like judgment, which I, at the time, and I still think about that, I find so inspiring and amazing. And I also will think about the circumstances of her parents' poverty that she Mm -hmm. describes in the book and how it was so much more than this one dimensional, well, they don't have jobs or they're not working. Right. And I think it was a book that opened my mind to just poverty and and difficult situations being so multidimensional. Yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like that's been so important in like Mm -hmm. the mental health aspects Mm -hmm. of it. And so I really appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, that book is so good. Mm -hmm. So good. My third one is Cold Tangerines by Shauna Nequist, which was her first book. And she's one of my favorites too. She um, writes a lot of like collections of essays, memoir-esque type things. But 
I just remember reading it. I was babysitting my niece, actually, and my sister-in-law had it on her shelves, and I she was asleep, and they weren't going to be home for a while, so I grabbed it, and I just devoured the entire mm-hmm. thing, and I feel like it was so... It was it was like what I needed to read when I read it. Mm-hmm. Like It was ended up being right before we decided to move here. Wow. So it was like this... I don't know, and there was just so much in that book about savoring life and appreciating all the little things and you know being creative and taking risks and like kind of taking life by the horn so I just feel like it gave me this foundation that I didn't even know I was about to need Mm -hmm. for like experiencing life more fully and not just kind of staying stuck and so it just always I will never forget that night reading it it always sticks with me as something that really changed how I like my outlook Mm -hmm. you know so all right what are you reading currently Okay, I have two books going currently, a an actual physical book and then an audio book. I am reading in hard copy Georgia O'Keeffe, A Life okay. by Roxana Robinson. Mm-hmm. It is a biography of Georgia O'Keeffe. Mm-hmm. So I have had a fascination with Georgia O'Keeffe, I think since reading a fictionalized novel of her life called Georgia, which was a few years ago, okay. so for a little bit, but not like a lifelong But I have just, since reading and learning a bit more about her, have just been so inspired because I I think learning about her, finding that she really was at the forefront of the abstract and modern art movement Mm -hmm. in our country. And I just really have a fascination with art Mm -hmm. and love learning about art and artists. And But obviously, she was a woman working at the time, Mm -hmm. so wasn't always getting the credit that Mm -hmm. she deserves, probably still to this day, maybe, like just Mm -hmm. among common knowledge. Um, You know, the work that she is known for, like the orchids and things like Mm -hmm. that, is only a portion of the really important work that she did. So even the fact that she's only like known for those and not her whole body of work. And... And yet she was so dedicated to her craft in just this way, like I am giving my whole life to this and it doesn't matter if that makes me money. I will work something else to just support Mm -hmm. my pursuit of art. I Mm -hmm. just find that so inspiring. Mm -hmm. So anyway, and the little tangent in honor of my 40th birthday coming up, Chris and I are taking a trip to Santa Fe and are going to go visit her home and studio, which has been a dream of mine. So ahead of that trip, I want to read more about her so I can just like fully experience yeah, yeah. it. And so I'm kind of plugging away at that book oh, and so I'm going to finish before we go. Love that. I am also listening to a book. It is Demon Copperhead by Barbara Ooh. Kingsolver. Mm-hmm. It is her latest book and I am really enjoying it. It is 21 hours. So yeah. it is a book that you get into and yeah. you are there for the ride. So this is a story about a young boy growing up in Appalachia. And I think it's in the 90s. Like it's, okay. you know, the not too distant past, but mm-hmm. there's no cell phones. It is told with such a strong voice and in first person, mm-hmm. which always just really puts you in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Great storytelling. I just find myself really immersed in it. Also, the narrator just the perfect accent Ooh. puts you right there, just bringing his voice to life. Yeah, sometimes those regional things where yes. the accent really makes a yes. difference. And yes, and just really makes the audiobook sing versus yeah. it makes me feel like I would be having such a different experience if I was actually reading it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this is a story about this region and the people in it. And already there have been, I'm not even that far into it, a few hours. There have already just been such such great writing about not judging the choices of the characters, but seeing the situation and the lack of choices that they Mm -hmm. have that I feel like already kind of opened my eyes and challenged some assumptions that Mm -hmm. I was 
maybe bringing mm-hmm. that I didn't even realize that right, I had. And right. so I just already have really appreciated that. And a blurb about the book says that Demon Copperhead speaks for a new generation of lost boys and all those born into beautiful cursed places they can't imagine leaving behind. Mm. So I thought that was a great description. Mm-hmm. And I will say there is a great interview with Barbara King Solver about this book and about Appalachia, which okay. is where she lives and I was is originally say, is from. from there? Okay. Yes. And so I will put a link to that in the show notes. Awesome. That is on my list as well. I am reading three things. I always have a Kindle, an Audible, and a hardback book going. So my Kindle, I am reading Thunderhead, which is the second in the Arc of the Scythe series by Neil Schusterman. I think this is technically YA, young adult. Okay. It's kind of future dystopian slash utopia. Okay. You know, you don't know if right. it's better Ooh, or not. Yeah. The Thunderhead is the internet, basically, and oh, like AI okay. that has evolved to the point where it is in charge, but it's like this benevolent leader because mm. it can't act selfishly. So okay. it's like cured all these diseases and war and basically conquered death. Mm. But... Now the problem is that there is population that still needs to be controlled. And so Mm. there's this like society of scythes that are like specially trained to glean the population. And it's like a noble profession. I don't don't like that word. Yeah. So it's YA though. So it's like Mm -hmm. not too gruesome, Mm -hmm. but just a really interesting concept. Mm. Like what would you do if we advanced to the point where like people weren't dying of natural causes anymore and Mm. how would you handle that so i'm in the second of that series i just started on audible the historian by elizabeth kostova and basically an ancient book and letters are found in the main character's father's library Mm -hmm. and it leads her on a quest to find out the truth about vlad the impaler the medieval ruler that dracula is based on so it's like real history mixed with like is is dracula real is he not real so it's very it's a good fall one as well um and actually this is a pretty long one and i our friend shannon from book club was telling us i don't know if you were it was in the car where you weren't but she was saying she only will listen on audible to something that's like over 12 hours or something Mm, like that mm -hmm. so that she gets the most bang for her buck with her audible credits and i was like that's a great new rule so this is definitely a long one that i purposely got on audible because of shannon's rule and i'm like i like that (laughs) shannon's rule rule. yep and then the third one that i'm reading mostly for the cover because it is spooky and lovely and beautiful is the bone houses Mm. we have to look up this cover because it's so pretty i want you to look it up and then react we'll we'll edit this part out Ooh. Okay. Isn't that yeah? I'm blowing it up because I feel gothic I feel, and lovely. Because I feel like there must be uh, like one of those that you look at it and it looks cool, but the closer you look, the yeah. more depth <laughs> yeah. there is to it. Yes, that's very cool. It is a picture of a uh, skull, but it kind of looks like it's designed in like floral and just yeah. looks like there's more yeah. to it. Yes. So, anyways, this one just grabbed my attention, and I've heard a couple people recommend it. It's by Emily Lloyd Jones. It is like small medieval village fenced in love a small medieval village how cozy is that fenced in by iron to protect them from the dark woods and Mm. what lurks beyond but Mm -hmm. i think this one is ya also so it's not you know incredibly Mm -hmm. intense you're following two siblings who actually own the town graveyard and they're trying to survive like on their own they're orphaned and they're trying to survive as grave diggers but like the problem is not everybody stays dead Ooh, it's good so far okay Sounds great. All right. So those are my those are my current spooky fall reads. Good, I good fall I worked lineup. in a few more fall reads for you. Yeah. 
All right. I think I have been deep in all my spooky fallish books lately, so I don't have one for this. But what else have you been reading outside of books? Okay. I have been reading and want to recommend the article from the New York Times magazine, Greta Gerwig's Barbie Dream Job. Mm. So like so many people, I recently saw and loved the Barbie movie so much so that I saw it twice. I would go see it again. All right. And then I wanted to read all about it and know all Uh the things and just go on that deep dive. And so this article in particular is about Greta Gerwig's, the direct, the writer and director about her perspective and approach to writing and directing the movie. What I love so much about the movie and what the article explores more is how Greta Gerwig just had to so precisely thread the needle of all these kind of contradictions Mm -hmm. that the movie was trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. She was making a big budget movie for the first time that needed to be a summer blockbuster, Mm -hmm. but stay true to her indie voice. Yeah. You know, she needed to both criticize and celebrate Barbie's impact on society culture. Mm -hmm. She had to make a movie that the owners and creators of Barbie Mattel would approve, Mm -hmm. but you know that audiences aren't going to go that are is just like Barbie, yay, rah, rah, right, rah. Right. And anyway, and I think she introduced some like some critiques that people could take issue with, but do them in a way, but package it with Ryan Gosling doing a song and dance right, number right. and just these like funny jokes. And anyway, it was so entertaining and but just brought about all these things to think about so I think that to me is what the article got Mm -hmm. at and she has a quote in the article that I keep thinking about she says things can be both and Mm. I'm doing the thing and subverting the thing Mm -hmm. and she did and that is like what we're missing in our that's like the the root of like so much of our cultural discourse right now, even talking about history, talking about anything mm-hmm. problematic is like we and like you said, this tender land did so well critiquing history while celebrating the good mm-hmm. like both things can and do all of the time. Yeah. Coexist and you it can't everything can't be either or. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So anyway, I just really enjoyed that article. And so for anyone who saw the Barbie movie and enjoyed it, I think you would really enjoy that. I love too. that. Okay, as usual, let's end this episode with a memorable bookish moment, maybe a noteworthy moment in your life brought to you by books recently. What I need to share is that I am now known as the reader at my morning orange theory classes. Oh, nice. So this is how this has come about. So I don't take my phone into the studio when Mm -hmm. I go, but I get there early enough that I usually have 15 minutes or so Mm -hmm. just before class hanging out. It's early. I'm not looking to chit chat with anyone. So I've started bringing my book. It's like a great little extra chunk of reading Mm -hmm. time. But so now everyone knows me as the reader (laughs) and it's actually been great and what a great title. <laughs> yes. Um, people generally, like I said, aren't very chatty. And I see these same faces every mm-hmm. week, twice a week at the gym, but we never really chat. I'm not really, I'm not here to make friends. Right. I'm right. here We've to work established. out. <laughs> Badass right. Kelsey's in the house. She does not want yes, to chat. But having my book has brought people like, oh, what are you reading? Or yeah. I, I noticed you're reading. I'm reading this. And I do enjoy chatting yeah. about books. Yeah. All day. Yeah. And so it's just been a great little way to get to know some people a little bit better and find something that we can just like connect about Mm -hmm. that you can make small conversation about Mm -hmm. and that's just been really fun and it's just so funny kind of the number of people now that I'm that that I realized have noticed that I'm like the person always there with my Kindle so I've really loved that that's funny 
Um, this is the sweetest thing, and I felt like my whole life was made when this happened. Mm. It's Julia's recent quote. Julia is my like voracious reader. Like she will plow through books. She loves a graphic novel. She just loves like piles of books in her bed every night. Like she loves it. So we went to the library and she was like so happy one day. Like she just found, she happened to find like all the next in her series. Mm -hmm. She was just living her best life. So she's leaving with this big stack of books and we're on, you know, in the car on the way home. And she's like, I mean, whoever invented the idea of a library must be such a kind person. Like just free books for everyone, no matter how much money they have or anything, as many as you want. And she like paused dramatically and she goes, now that is freedom. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, my life as a mom is made. I could not believe it. It was like, it was like that needs to go up on a plaque somewhere. I just couldn't even handle it. That is truly amazing. Oh, I love that. It was I just love that she can see that. Yes, That's incredible. Yes. Like her insight and reflection on that. That was so cool to me. Like is that this is a really big deal and a really important thing for our society to have this. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like when, you know, libraries are kind of under attack right now and books are under attack, it just felt so good for her to like intrinsically know that this yeah. is a valuable thing. Oh. So cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. As always, we would love to hear your fall book recommendations always or a book that changed your life. You can hang out with us on Instagram. We're High Girls Next Door. We're also both on Goodreads, which is a great way to see what we're reading and recommending and just connect over books. As usual, the show notes for this episode are at our website, girlnextdoorpodcast.com. And we love to get your emails at highgirlsnextdoor at gmail.com. Thanks so much for dropping in. Until next time, be neighborly. I remember for the fifth and sixth book for this. (laughs) It's a lot of THs in there. So my Kindle, I am reading Thunderhead, which is the second in the Ark of the Scythe series. Mm. Is that how you say that? Scythe? Sounds right. Like I'm going to scythe you. (laughs) Like that. (laughs) Erica just mimed scything me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.